Welcome to the Sports Tech Research Podcast. We connect research-driven professionals working within the sports technology ecosystem. This show is brought to you by STRN, Sports Tech Research Network. Your host for today is Christophe de May. Hi, everybody. Welcome again in the Sports Tech Research Podcast. Today, uh, we're actually starting with a, a second series of episodes in which I'll be interviewing other podcast hosts in the, in the sports science, tech and innovation space. Uh, my name is Christophe de May, by the way, and uh, today I have this pleasure to speak with Benjamin Pankertz, which you may know from uh, Sports Tech X and, and a few other initiatives that he's running. Hi, Benjamin. How are you doing? Hi, Christoph. I'm fabulous. And it's nice to be on, let's say, the other side of the microphone or table for a change and be in somebody else's podcast. So, yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for taking the time, of course. Uh, we've been in touch already for, uh, for a while, uh, but maybe some of the listeners don't yet know who is Benjamin Pankert. So maybe let's start with a, a short intro about yourself. <laughs> Great. Sometimes I also don't know who I am, so that's all right. <laughs> <Don't worry. laughs> nice awesome. one. <laughs> um, my name is Benjamin Pankert. I'm, I'm from Germany and I live in Berlin. And um, together with my co-founder, Ron Malhotra, I run a company that is called Sports Tech X. And if you want to sound fancy, we say that we are a market intelligence company for professionals and investors in sports. So we do cover the global sports tech ecosystem in which you find thousands of startups, uh, plus everything around them, investors, accelerators, innovation hubs, and all those initiatives. And yeah, we do lots of research. Um, we try to uh, create tangible insights and educate people and help them understand what is inside of this uh, beautiful space. That's us in a nutshell. Yeah, awesome. And I think many people already uh, have gained a lot of value from, from the work that you and Ron, of course, have been uh, have been doing. Today, I want to jump in a little bit, of course, to the, the podcast you, uh, you have been uh, running the past couple of years. And first question related to that is, uh, tell us a little bit maybe about the story behind what's the, what's the podcast about, so we know a little bit the why, so to say, you're running the podcast. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's fairly simple. Um, first of all, uh, yeah, let me tell you that the podcast exists since late 2017. So I would say it's one of the, the oldest sports tech podcasts mm -hmm. around. Mm -hmm. And one of the main goals of what we do, I think similar like, like you guys, is to showcase what is happening in the space, in this um, case, the sports tech ecosystem. So we thought, hey, what better way there is than to speak to relevant people inside that industry to help them showcase themselves. But also for us on the other side, as it's always a two-way two -way street, uh, we learn about what they do. Uh, it helps us to build our network and just establish a really good community in sports technology. So we talk to startup founders, to people who run certain initiatives like the accelerators that I just mentioned. Um, we also talk to investors to understand what uh, they think about the market and where it's heading. Uh, in a nutshell, to cover uh, different views on that ecosystem and hear people from within. Interesting. And uh, I wouldn't say I have listened to all of the episodes, but it's very close, <laughs> I think. Oh, my, ne my next question is uh, a rather general one, but uh, it's interesting to hear a little bit like, for you and, and, and Ron, who have in, been interviewing a lot of people in the, in the sports tech space, if you look at it from a, from a general perspective, could you elaborate a little bit on 
some of the key learnings that you have extracted from all of these interviews? Yeah, absolutely. And and we have a few. And um, it was actually nice to, to hear that question because it made me mm-hmm. think about what are the learnings. The, the first one that came to mind is that I would say almost all the people I talk to have some sort of passion for the sports industry. So either they have been working in that industry for quite a while, or on the other hand, they just like to do sports themselves as athletes, um, not always mm-hmm. professional ones, but also on a recreational level. Or at least they're very um, enthusiastic when it comes to watching sports. So, for example, you also ask them about their favorite sporting moment that they remember. And then you really realize that they are into sports in some way. So this is Mm -hmm. one interesting um, thing that that was a learning. And the Mm -hmm. other one, let's say more on, let's say, the content side or how they run their businesses. I've realized that in, in many cases that they, of course, not always have been experts in some way, or to put it differently, they didn't really know what they're getting into. Um, that's what many of them mm-hmm. said. Um, they said, okay, if we would have known what we would have <laughs> went into, maybe we would not have done that. Or actually, we were not really prepared for what we were going into. So you hardly had any cases where they had exactly an exactly laid out plan and just mm-hmm. executed it that way. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. contrary to that, it was more like, okay, let's try this thing. Let's see how it goes. Let's remove the obstacles on the way. So I would almost say it was not so scientific <laughs> though in the way they set up those companies and, and run yeah. those initiatives. Yeah. These are two of the the learnings. Well, yeah, that's great, and it uh, it's a perfect link to the to the next question. In fact, because as you know, with the the initiative that I have set up, the, the yeah. Sports Tech Research Network, uh, linked to this uh, to this podcast, we we focus a little bit more on how research and science can be relevant in into the whole uh, sports tech world. And I was sparing the the questions here for this uh, for this podcast. Mm-hmm. I was really wondering. Uh, based on all of the conversations that you had with, as you mentioned, a, a high variety of, of, of people, both entrepreneurs and accelerators and so on and so on. It was interesting maybe to hear a little bit like, yeah, what should the research world focus on, on the one hand, and otherwise stated, yeah, what are the key challenges sports and society in general are facing for which then science could or should help in the end? Any thoughts on this? Yeah, sure. I'm not sure if that reflects the the opinion of my my podcast guest, but I would more come from from my perspective on what I think which field is either under research potentially, or let's Mm -hmm. let's say looking at things from a holistic perspective, what should be in focus of research. If that is okay, I would Mm -hmm. I would go to that direction for you. Perfect. Okay, and then. Um, maybe, maybe come, maybe taking one step back. How we do our research at, at Sports Tech X um, is based on what we call the Sports Tech Framework. So we cut the world of Sports Tech and the solutions in there into three different categories. One category is solutions for athletes, for people who do sports, and like I said, it can also be recreational. The second one is for the people f- uh, who consume sports, for fans. And the third one is solutions for executives, so managers in clubs, leagues, associations, and, and the likes. And I, in my, my personal observation, and I, I'd be interested if, if you share this opinion, actually, is that lots of the research actually goes into field number one, which is solutions for people who are active, who do sports. 
in mm-hmm. my opinion, um, at least I have not seen much in this area yet, I would really like to see more research in the field of the fan or fan behavior, um, expectations mm-hmm. of fans, uh, mm-hmm. changing um, characteristics of fans. I know, for example, that the Sports Innovation Lab in, in the US doing a lot of um, work in this area. They always talk about the fluid fan. So when I look at our framework, and maybe at some point you also should do some research on, on the executives in sports, could also be an interesting mm-hmm. one. But the first thing that comes to mind is fan-related research. You know, the, the sports industry is so um, dependent on the fans. That could be something. That's, that's part one of two of my answer. Can you relate to that? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I actually totally agree. And we came a little bit to the same conclusion with the, the initiative mm-hmm. that we are uh, we are running in a sense that in the, in the health and performance areas, there we see a lot of, from many different fields, of course, both from yeah, sports and movement sciences, behavioral sciences, uh, of course, the, the technical uh, universities and the disciplines they are in. There's a lot of academic research, but also applied research, of course, Many companies do in, do some research in some form, or they are uh, in close collaborations with uh, with academics, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. And so, a lot of things happening there. On the other hand, indeed, in the other segments, yeah, there we see quite limited. And now I'm speaking more in the academic research area. Mm-hmm. We see quite limited uh, amount of uh, of studies. And I've I've also been questioning myself, like, what would be the underlying reason here? I think one would probably be that uh, the industry has yeah, has been going so fast that yeah to do really uh, detailed academic research yeah the, the speeds are are, yeah. are really different um, and so to, to a certain extent you could even say that from an academic perspective uh, so and then I'm thinking about areas as sports business and more sports management related topics that's as an academic in those areas. Yeah, you 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 would be really happy that the bigger companies in these uh, in these areas could share, for example, data sets with with a research institute. I I, I have learned a bit through some some interviews that often it's really there's really that gap, of course, between what the industry is doing and uh, what an academic is interested in, because of course there also comes the issue that in that industry, of course, the expectation is that. Yeah, if you have an academic doing research on your data, like okay, but what's the what's the practical value of this on the on the short term? Whereas in the academic world, of course, you need more time, and yeah, by nature you don't really know. And so that's two different cultures, and they yeah, yeah they often are in, in in opposite direction. I would say in in these in these areas, that's one big reason I think. And the second one I believe is uh, yeah, there. Are, only a few institutes that really have put sports technology as a research topic on their agendas in the management and business fields. And probably there is the issue of funding. It's really mm-hmm. difficult, I think, yeah, to attract funding, to hire researchers in those business schools and universities to do research on these topics. Again, there, you would imagine that, for example, some companies yeah, would invest in, in those type of studies. But I think there again is the, the first issue. Yeah, it's it's different expectations. It's different worlds. Like why would they invest in long-term research as that world is, is able to move forward so fast? So I think those are a bit the two main reasons why we only at the beginning, I think, 
uh, in terms of where academic research is standing for the moment in these uh, in these areas. Interesting. I have to interview you for our podcast as well, definitely. <laughs> but I have a second point um, because you also asked about um, challenges in in society, sports and society. Yeah. And here I'm not I'm not telling you anything new, but um, I think it all comes down pretty much to also what what Essex stands for. Um, I, I remember that um, Daniel Dumick, who was running the, the Essex Accelerator in in, in Spain. Um, explained to me, which I didn't know before, that Essex stands for anima sana in corpore sano, which means um, you should pray for a healthy mind and a healthy body. And I think if a society consists of people with a healthy mind and a healthy body, um, much is achieved, I would say. Um, so I would say the overall um, goal should be have uh, people with healthy minds and healthy bodies. And also research, of course, can contribute to that goal um can't tell you what exactly has to be done um but i always come back to this um yeah what 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 um essex stands for so um yeah research the mind research research the body and <laughs> explain the world how we get there i mean we can talk about um yeah getting people more more active um our gamification elements needed all of that um i don't have the solution definitely not but i think this is one of the main causes Again, again, totally agree, and and uh, yeah, maybe we could jump in another time on that specific topic. But I think there is so much to be done now, uh, and you you see quite some companies, of course, uh, investing also in including scientific insights into their wearable devices and yeah. uh, apps and and platforms and so on. One of the challenges there, of course, will be to close that gap between what we already know and and soon will know from from disciplines as how to change human behavior, et cetera, and how they are applied in those tools that are available on the market. So, uh, yeah, interesting. <laughs> Great. Yeah, this leads us a little bit to the next question, which uh, more relates to strategies and needs and so on in the area of research to market. A story behind being there is a lot of research in, in, in many areas, as we already discussed, but it, often it's not leading to a lot of spin-outs and actual solutions being used in the field mm -hmm. or translation of all of that knowledge to already existing companies uh, who could benefit from, from all of these uh, prototypes or algorithms or whatever it is that has been developed in, uh, in the academic world. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts based on yeah, how to facilitate or improve a little bit the translation of research to the market? Yeah, that's a tough one, <laughs> to be honest. Mm -hmm. I had three, let's say, keywords in mind. Mm -hmm. uh, first mm -hmm. one is speed, obviously. Second one, what's the trigger? And the third one is good old money. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Let's go through them one by one. I mean, you said it yourself before, um, the academic world often does not have the speed uh, that is needed in, in the industry. That is a big one. And um, I wonder how that can be improved. You are more into the academic world than, than, than I am. So I, I have no idea how that can be done, uh, if that's even the goal, but it should be the goal to, to fasten up um, the, the whole process. And connected to that, I think that could be the point, my, my second keyword. I asked myself, what is the trigger for certain research? Um, I guess often it is um, triggered by the university themselves because they think a topic mm -hmm. is research worthy. 
which is good, which is uh, one of the main tasks for universities, obviously. But I wonder how often the trigger comes from the industry and the industry lets the academic world know what is needed. Um, and then we still come back to the question of how fast can that be, let's say, delivered. But I really wonder if the industry knows that they can also trigger the academic world in certain ways. And I think I mean, also with what the Sports Tech Research Network does, this is an important point. It is made aware that the industry can trigger that process. And um, connected to that, the question is, can you establish some partnerships there? For example, I mean, there's so many accelerators, innovation initiatives out there with, with great startups with, uh, who would love to have some academic partners. Uh, so maybe also establishing more partnerships in that field. Um, maybe that would help as well. I don't know. And then the last point is obviously money. I mean, does that need to be sponsored? Is is that the problem in the academic world? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, but I guess it would help to get some some funding somewhere. But if in industry players um, would get great research, um, why wouldn't they want to pay? So somehow I believe like the, the different pieces are there. Uh, but in some way, I have the feeling they're not put together in, in the fitting way. And maybe that is what you guys need to do. Yeah, yeah, correct. That's uh, exactly the area that we're in. And uh, I think there are many options, but people are not always aware of the options or a little bit afraid of fee issues or indeed how to get it funded or what will be the, the outcome and are people having similar expectations from the start and all of these things. But uh, yeah, nice, nice to hear your your views with yeah, keywords that you just uh, that you just mentioned. Yeah, one, one of those things indeed, and we just touched upon them, uh, is uh, what is then called university industry interactions or collaborations. Of course, as we already mentioned, sometimes it's a clash between cultures. On the other hand, there is a clear win-win situation often uh, from those type of partnerships. Have you been aware in conversations that you already had, have you been aware of those type of uh, partner partnerships? And yeah, in which type of products do you think is that type of research really needed? Yeah, that's again an interesting question. And um, if I'm completely honest, I'm, I'm not really aware of any good examples or um, yeah, any, let's say, key learnings. And I was, I was wondering why that is. So... I mean, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm aware of the, the universities that are, that are good in this field. I don't know, um, uh, Love Bar is great, your university in Ghent is great, the German Sports University in Cologne. I've been to the, the STU in, in Denmark recently, also great university. So they all do great research, um, but I don't know about any bigger collaborations, um, best practices. Mm -hmm. I also don't know about um, about spin-offs. I mean, you did a, did a series on them as well. Most I did not, not know about them. And I'm I'm a person who is in sports tech for almost five years now and does research. So I, I was actually surprised that I cannot, at least in my opinion, properly answer that question. So I really wondered mm -hmm. why that is. And then another thing came to mind is like if I know about let's say industry close um, research, then I only like what comes to mind is for example what Nike just did. Nike has their own sports research lab um, with the the LeBron, LeBron James Innovation Center. So what I see is that like the the big brands um, rather start to build their own um, innovation centers and their own research. So I really wonder why that is, and. One interesting thing about this um, Nike research lab is um, that they say, hey, we can we can test things in our own court 
and also then create new prototypes right away. So we're coming back to the question of speed and delivery. Mm -hmm. So I think we always come back to this key point. So it's a bit of, I think it's one of the most important topics is to guarantee a certain speed. Also, let's say develop a certain startup prototype mentality uh, within the academic world. Maybe that would help, but it's just me guessing and me coming from perspective of not knowing any good examples. Maybe you tell me that is already there, but nobody knows about it. There can be as well. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, uh, yeah, it's an interesting discussion we're having here. And the speed topic is a very interesting one. I think we should yeah, deep dive a little bit, uh, maybe another time in, in, into that, is how to bring speed in, in the academic world. So it mm -hmm. relates more to what companies and other uh, stakeholders in, in, in the sports sector are doing. Maybe two short uh, reflections on the other points. Uh, I think there are indeed uh, quite some interactions, but um, they are not always visible. So that's that was one of the reasons in to start the SDRN initiative because, yeah, I think they, they need a bit more uh, exposure. Maybe two thoughts. Uh, first, I think one of the key reasons why they are not visible is because in the academic world, it's really hard to... Yeah, to have some money to work on the whole communication and marketing thing. Uh -huh. Yeah, they lack resources uh, to do that. They also often, yeah, you don't even have uh, somebody who is able to to do all of these things in-house. And so if there is no money and there are no people within your staff doing that, yeah, it depends a bit on individual initiatives or researchers that have some 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 interest and and have some energy and time and so on to to do this yes or no so i think that's one uh, one key reason from the industry perspective indeed many uh, many bigger companies i think they they know that science will help them in improving their own products but there of course you see a certain trend that's for sure the bigger the bigger ones yeah they prefer to hire academic uh, educated people rather than to work with the university as an institute mm -hmm. and that's quite logic i think because the academic world is producing so many uh, phds only one out of 10 or 15 could stay within the academic system meaning there is a lot of talent on the markets uh, who is really high uh, educated and really keen to to work in a in, in a big company and so there it's quite logic i think that Many of the companies, they, yeah, they prefer to have the science without the scientists. Mm -hmm. And so they have it more under control and, and they don't need to negotiate with universities and tech transfer offices and so on on contracts and, and IP regulations, etc. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is an, an, an important uh, element also from the academic perspective in a sense that it will be more and more difficult as a university uh, research group to partner with these type of companies. Yeah, you should really have something really, really innovative and valuable for the industry in order for the industry to, yeah, to, con to contact you and to, to step in some kind of collaboration. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. These are a few thoughts. My my next question relates more to the implementation of technology within sports and society, meaning, yeah, a startup or a company or maybe a spin-off from a university could also be uh, the case, of course, but there is a certain piece of technology. Then, of course, the question is, how are you making sure it's well implemented within 
could even be within a federation or a league, but also, of course, within a team or, or a group of teams. As I mentioned in our conversation we had just before the podcast, there is a whole discipline called implementation sciences, uh-huh. meaning, okay, what are strategies to better implement technology within different uh, different settings? And I was also, also wondering if you have some, uh, some ideas around, yeah, how this could be done in a better way as it is often uh, done now. Yeah, a few thoughts on this. Um, it's partly contrary to what you said in, in, in the last question. You said lots mm-hmm. of scientists actually work in the sports industry and some PhDs have to go that way. I, I, would, I would argue that mm-hmm. often within sports organization, you have a lack of skills um, to implement tech. Um, and let's say, especially in the traditional sports industry, because especially if you look at uh, teams, leagues, associations, they often don't have the budget or they don't want to have the budget, however way you, you put it, um, to hire um, often not so cheap people who, who can um, deal with those topics. And mm-hmm. then if a university comes or a tech partner comes towards them, they often, and you feel that they're very insecure, they need a lot of time as well. And often they also go for solutions where I'm questioning if that is the right path, actually. So I would say there's also um, a certain criticism towards the sports industry. So it's, it's always easy to say the academic world is slow and they take forever and, and so on. Mm-hmm. But I think the sports industry is also not always ready for those solutions because they cannot deal with it. They cannot understand that I mean I'm, I'm talking on a, on a high level now and it's not too for for um, for the entire industry but in many cases I have witnessed that from my from my own uh, perspective the other thing is what you asked what what, what can be done especially when, when we look towards society I, I think municipalities and, and cities play a huge role in this especially when it comes to getting people more active and for example our friends from uh, the sport tech hub in, in London do a great job for London or the greater London region to implement solutions in uh, in parks and and so on that are accessible for for the public so i think this is this is a fabulous field to go into and <laughs> to be honest and and i mean i'm not meaning this as a joke municipalities are also let's say perceived as let's say not the speediest <laughs> organizations <laughs> at overall that's nicely said uh, <laughs> So, so maybe maybe there's some common ground there. I don't know. Um, but long story short, I think um, like those those research and scientific skills in sports industry not always there. And on the other hand, yeah, municipalities when it comes to to yeah, doing something good for society is might be a key key stakeholder. Yeah, totally agree. In the end, it's about people and and structures and funding and so on, which all should be in place in order to succeed in uh, making a change with technology. In the end, so. Absolutely. All right, we were running towards uh, almost the end of the of the podcasts. I also wanted to ask a little bit, uh, yeah, where are we going towards? Uh, what are, uh, according to you, the, the the key opportunities for the next months? If you look at mm-hmm. the research driven side of the whole sports technology uh, space. Yeah, I mean, about this topic, I can talk forever, but I'm <laughs> trying to, to make it short. <laughs> um, three topics. The first one I just mentioned briefly because I talked about it before, the entire fans sector. I think more research should be done there. It's obviously 
like one of the biggest revenue drivers for the sports industry, uh, aside from the performance part, obviously. So more um, research needed there and obviously a big opportunity. Could, could I maybe ask a, a side question on this one, Benjamin? Do you have an idea about which particular challenges or questions the research should be pinpointed towards? Yeah, I mean, one, one, one part would be um, that like the traditional fan was always a, a very loyal one to an organization. If you see the fan as a customer, you would say retention of the customer is rather easy because there was a strong bond that lasted over ideally a lifetime, uh, which was mm -hmm. the same for employers and their employees for a while. But these days, um, as with many other things, um, there is a big fight for attention um, um, amongst uh, the, the, the fan sector as well. So fans quickly change from which team they like, which, um, which player they like, uh, which sports they like, if they mm -hmm. maybe like sports at all. And we come to the, to the similar point in a second. If, if they actually like a physical sport or virtual sport. So the, the big challenge is to how to, <laughs> I don't like this word, but engage fans, retain fans, and understand uh, what, what, what fans need in an environment that definitely has changed compared to 20 years ago. Clear. Yeah. Yeah. Right, but I interrupted you at the no first point. No worries. Yeah. <laughs> <was a> <laughs> point. Um, second topic, much has been said about it, but I think also research should, um, should play a role in there. It's about uh, women in sports and diversity. Starting also again with, let's say, the, the business side of things, And I've been to, to Switzerland two weeks ago to a conference, the Impulse Network, by the way, also a very great network organized by students. And there was, um, as so often these days, a discussion about women in sports and diversity um, also connected to that. And uh, one wish from um, Emma Zwiebler, who works for the World Sporting Goods Association or something like this. <laughs> uh, excuse yeah. me, Emma, that I, that I don't know the, the exact <laughs> name. Um, and, and she said she would so much like to have research that how, on how diverse teams can also contribute to a positive business case or that a business, business would be running better, more efficiently, uh, generate better revenues and all that. It's something she strongly believes in. And she said, once that research has been done and the point is proven that diverse teams actually help also on the bottom line, um, that would potentially change a lot of things. There's just one aspect of women and diversity in sports. That's an interesting one for the, the business schools uh, focusing on sports, uh, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. But also, I mean, obviously, uh, female bodies are not the same as, as male bodies. And, and many products out there are just not um, yeah, made for, for, for women in a certain way. Um, like all the variables and all that you, you talked about. I mean, there are some modifications that could be done for, for females. Um, also, not I think not so well researched. That's a bit the, the whole femtech thing that is now becoming exactly. more popular. Yeah. And topic number three, like a huge beast. And um, I'm, I'm looking forward to witness that development uh, is one of the key words of the last weeks, at least, is the metaverse. And I mean, you probably know that I'm, I'm deep into NFTs and all of this. I mean, there is a reason why, why Facebook uh, has renamed itself to Meta and that they're going all in on that. And what comes with this for the sports industry are a bunch of things. And the clearest thing is that we will spend more time in virtual worlds. 
and in those mm -hmm. virtual worlds um, we interact with other people we do sports with other people or alone we exercise in virtual worlds um, but potentially we also watch sports in virtual worlds and this is mm -hmm. so new and nobody knows where this industry is heading um, but one thing is clear now that Facebook has started or unleashed this beast. Um, yeah, it's out there. It will no, not go uh, away anytime soon. Um, and I believe that the, the research world could get lots of eyeballs if they would come up with, um, with good research in that field. So I would love to see something around that topic without being able to further pin it down to a specific point um, in the near future. That, that's definitely a winner. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's indeed a, a nice opportunity for uh, the academic world to start doing some projects in that area as well. Uh, do it, Christoph, so, do it. So, so, <laughs> so, so they're prepared for the future as well, because I think that's, that's, the, that's the nice thing, but also the challenge with research. Like you, you should even, you should actually, actually start questioning certain research topics, thinking a few years ahead and then start doing the research now in order to make it relevant by the end of your research. Nice <laughs> because one, if you're yeah. now start, starting with questions based on what happened in the, in the past, yeah, you're maybe uh, not, not relevant anymore in a few years from now when the research is done. So Absolutely. Nice uh, I agree yeah, on that yeah. one. Yeah, you know, with the STRN initiative, it's a, it's a young and fresh uh, initiative and we always want to yeah, to learn and in particular also know uh, where we should focus on in terms of topics and, and which type of uh, activities that we should do and so on. Where do you see the specific wall of an initiative as SDRN within, within this area? I'm again not telling you anything new because it is it is so obvious because it touches so many points that we that we had before. The most important work that you guys do is to showcase what is out there. It's a bit uh, comparable to what we started a couple of years ago with sports tech mm -hmm. uh, startups and the ecosystem. Just bring some eyeballs on the good work that has been done out there and that will be done in the future. That is the mm -hmm. first point. And then the second point, let's say, that would be a little bit of my, my wish, if possible, in, in your setup, I don't know if that's even possible, just to make sure that those triggers that I spoke about before are actually happening. That if somebody needs a research from, let's say, from uh, triggered by the sports industry, that they ideally know that you guys exist and that you can point them to the respective um, yeah, academic counterpart. But also yep. if let's say the academic world um, says, hey, we have done some groundbreaking research that needs to get out into the industry that you know exactly who to, uh, to push it to. Uh, and then ultimately to create something tangible. I mean, creating something tangible, making things happen. I think that is, that is the key, key challenge. And if you guys can achieve this, this is amazing. Um, I mean, I don't know what you want to call this then. I don't know. If you were sort of a matchmaker or an agency or a connector, facilitator, I mean, there are lots of words for that, but just making things happen, that would be my wish. Correct. And that's that's a, a nice one to, uh, to finish off because that's indeed... Uh, part of the mission so to say not only to to have theories and and uh, knowledge and, and and papers and so on but to uh, have actual solutions yeah. and if they are based on science i think yeah that uh, is of benefit for everybody because in the end uh, of course those solutions they should just be more effective in what they're trying to do in the end absolutely all right cool 
final question, again related to your own podcast. Uh, do you have a favorite episode? <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's a tricky one. And um, <laughs> I, this time I'm trying, I'm trying to maneuver out of this question. Definitely, <laughs> no. I mean, like, there's not this one that that comes to mind immediately when you ask mm. me this question. So, I mean, yeah. all of them, most of them, has been have been very insightful. Um, so I would answer the question with, uh, it's a future one that I'm going to have with you on the sports tech research network. That's going to be my favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say you, that was a diplomatic answer, but that's even yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. All right. Thanks, uh, Benjamin for, uh, for the time and, and the nice chat. We touched upon some, uh, well, according to my to me in my opinion a very interesting uh, topics uh thanks again for your time and your insights uh and to the ones listening thanks to you of course for spending your time on listening uh, and as always yeah reach out uh, ask some questions and as benjamin has mentioned if you're working in the industry and you have some research related questions uh, of course reach out so we could trigger the academics to uh, to start some work being done on the on the basis of those uh, challenges thanks uh, benjamin thanks for listening and see you next time bye bye thank you bye bye this was a sports tech research podcast podcast presented to you by strn an initiative of ghent university Did you like this episode? Make sure to check out our website strn.co and let's get in touch.